Hey there. Thanks for listening to the Reliance Podcast. Join us Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock, 9.30, or 11. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Amen. I want to uh, finish up. We've been... Uh, traversing through faith these last few weeks, just talking about different aspects of faith. And today, I want to talk about how to activate your faith. What does it look like to live out your faith? And so there is a question that I want to ask you and just start off today. Do we have faith to live and look differently than the world? Okay, do we have faith to live and to look differently than the world. And let me tell you why that's a big deal. There's some statistics out there where they kind of go through and they poll Christians and they'll say these statistics, 75% to 80% of believers say that they believe in Jesus, but they don't call themselves followers of Jesus. So in other words, they have a belief in Jesus, but they don't necessarily follow his way because they don't know if they have faith to live out the life that he lived. We've got a faith crisis on our hands, don't we? So here it is. I believe in him. Like It's like they want their heart to be good. I believe in him. But they have a faith crisis because they don't believe that they can actually follow him and live out his ways. And so we've got a a, a faith crisis on our hands. And so today, that question, do we have faith to live and look differently might be the greatest measure of why we were given faith. I thank you, yes and amen to miracles, signs, and wonders. I want to see those. I want to see healings. I want to see God move in the supernatural ways, in powerful ways. I want to see all that. I think it's going to take a great measure of faith today just simply to walk in the ways of Jesus. Amen? And I think he poured out his faith on us just simply to even walk the way that he walked. And so, Let me just kind of set this up why I think this is such a a, a big deal. Um, I think that we have a tendency in our life to want to blend in with the world, okay? Like we believe in Jesus, but there's something in us. I don't know if you feel this way. I think this for a majority of people, we do kind of like to blend in with the rest of the world. We, we kind of like to blend in and not necessarily stand out. And so that blending in is an issue because what it's again saying is, I've got faith in the Lord, but I don't know if so I want to stand out in that. Let me read something to you that we've done a, a lot of work on before and here. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul says, and we all, that's all of us, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being, everybody say transformed, transformed into the same image, the image of who? The Lord. We're being transformed in the image of Christ from one degree of glory to another. Now, let me, just for for those that don't know, there's a little history behind this. There's a reason that Paul's saying that we have an unveiled face. If you go back to the Old Testament, in Exodus, When Moses goes up on the mountain and has an encounter with the Lord, and he asks the Lord, let me see your glory. And and we know in the Old Testament to see the Lord would be immediate death because of just sin and, and the way that we had separation from God. And so for Moses to ask that question was a big deal. We've worked through this before. And so The Lord says, I'm going to let all my glory or all my goodness pass by you, but you need to bury your face in the cleft of the rock. 
So Moses turns and he puts his face in the cleft of the rock. And then it says the Lord turns his back and passes by Moses. Now something amazing happens. When Moses turns around, he doesn't know it yet, but his face is literally like glowing. It's got like a glow to it. Anybody freaked out by that? Okay. So he's got this radiating face. He doesn't know it, but he comes down off the mountain and he encounters the people of God, the Israelites. And they get freaked out by Moses. He's radiating on his face. And they're like, what in the world? You're, you're scaring us. And you're scaring the children, right? Or whatever. And so they're like, seriously, put something over that. So they're not seeing it as a good thing. They're seeing it as a fearful thing. So it says in scripture that Moses had to veil his face. Because the people were afraid when they saw the radiating glory of the Lord. So he veiled his face. So this is a big deal. What it's saying is now that that was the Old Testament, now that we're New Testament people, we get to lift the veil and radiate the glory of the Lord. And it doesn't repel people, it actually draws people in. The question then simply is this, are we radiating the glory of the Lord? Come on church. It's a big deal when we talk about activating our faith. And so um, there's two words I just want to set this up with. In this, first and foremost, he says these words. We are being transformed into the same, everybody say image. We are being transformed into the same image. Now, we all have some image things that are going on in our life. All of us in this room, we want or we do, we imitate someone. Maybe the way they dress. Maybe that's why we wear what we wear. Maybe, I, even people go, I kind of have a unique style. You probably do, but probably somebody set that up for you, Right? I mean, it's just the way it works. Like everything comes around and goes around, right? And so we're all in some ways, we're imitating. And that's why we like different trends. So there's people out there that set trends. And when they set the trend, people start to imitate them. Like I love that there's a resurgence right now of the, um, and, and all the kids, I feel like young kids, especially high school kids, they're all, they're all rocking the mullet. Have you seen that? I love it. Here's the funny thing, I listen to them talk and they think they set that trend. I'm like, no you didn't, Joker. You didn't set that trend. Let me tell you, man, when I was a kid, it wasn't just the mullet, it was the buzz top mullet. Anybody, come on, let's go. And not only the buzz top mullet, it was the perm buzz top mullet. Anybody perm it? Come on, who's permed it out there? Handsome gentleman up here. Love it. So, so they think that they set this trend. It just simply came back around. And so here's the thing. Like one person would get it and then everybody would imitate that person. Why? Because we like to kind of blend in. We like to see what everybody's doing. You ever wondered how those things got started? <laughs> Some bold fool took a step of faith, right? <laughs> like somebody stepped out and was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to grow my hair out really long and then shave it on top. Okay. And then somebody goes, that looks ridiculous. I have to have it, right? And this is how it is. And so it's like we, we all in some ways, we, we imitate, we go after because we all have an image issue. And so here he is in 2 Corinthians 3.18 saying all of us are being transformed into the same image of the Lord from one degree to another. The question is, are you being transformed in the image of the Lord or somebody else's image? Hold that thought for just a minute. We're going to do some work on that. All of us are easily influenced. We can all fall into being influenced. Um, if we're bold enough, we can influence others. 
And so there is something about the Lord talking about image in that scripture verse. Um, but scripture says this, that if we're going to be in the image of somebody, we better be in the image of the right person. If we're going to imitate somebody, we better imitate the right person. Ephesians 5.1 says these words, therefore be imitators of who? Of God as beloved children. So if you and I are confessing that we are in Christ, then the way in which our image should be, because we're imitating him, should look like the Lord. Paul will say this in 1 Corinthians in a couple different spots. He'll say, imitate me because I imitate Christ. In other words, watch what I'm doing because my eyes are firmly fixed on Jesus and then do the same thing. Imitation or being in the image of someone is a part of all of our life. Just the question is, who are we imitating? When you think about life, there is a measure of faith that's given to all of us and we're asking the question, is your life for Christ worth imitating? Is your life for Christ worth imitating? Um, I, I remember we had a prayer meeting a couple of weeks ago on a Thursday morning. Uh, we do Thursday morning prayers at 8.30 and man, it's always roaring in, in there. We're always praying. God's moving. We're just going, we have this big circle and we lead with worship and prayers going on. It's awesome. Just awesome what God, and some of those mornings you'll come out and you're like, I just encountered the Lord. Well, one of the guys that attends from time to time, his name is Alan and um, Alan w w went from our prayer meeting and God was just moving. We were praying for people. It was awesome. Alan left that prayer meeting and he went to an estate sale. And he, he likes to do little estate sales. And so he went to an estate sale. And he said as he was kind of rummaging around, he didn't realize it, uh, but he had this huge smile on his face. Like there was just this massive smile on his face. He didn't even know it. And he said the lady who was running the estate sale comes up to him and she says, what's wrong with you? And he was like, you know, he's like, I'm just looking around. I'm sorry. She, she goes, no, like the smile on your face, what's, what's wrong with you? Like she was literally taken back. And he's like, well, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> And she goes, you're scaring people. <laughs> Literally, you're scaring people, right? And he goes, I, he's just big smile on his face. And, and he goes, I just came from our prayer meeting. I, I don't know, I just encountered the Lord. She goes, I can tell. She's like, literally, she could see something in his smile that looked differently. And, and I said, what did you do? And he goes, I walked around with a bigger smile, right? But this lady was taken back because she said there's something that's not normal on your face. He had an encounter with Jesus, did, didn't, didn't even know that, that there was something that, that was, I guess, tangible, walks into this place and this lady goes, you're, scare, you're scaring people, right? Because it was not common the way in which his face lit up. And when I think about faith and the faith that the Lord has in us to imitate him. The question, are we radiating his image? There's another word that he talks about in there. He says, beholding the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed. Say transform one more time. That word transformed or transformation, when you think about it from like a caterpillar into a butterfly or a tadpole into a frog, we use the word what? Meta. Metamorphosis, metamorphosis, and what is the process of metamorphosis? Here's the definition. The process of metamorphosis is the transformation from an immature form to an adult form or mature form. And he goes on and says, a change of the form of nature. There's literally a, a nature change or the thing of a thing or a person into a completely different nature, either by natural means or supernatural means. 
So when you behold the Lord and you see him, there's a change in your nature that should happen. And that faith that the Lord gives you is to know that that change in the nature that's happening is so that you don't blend in with others. In fact, it'll say in scripture over and over, there's a reason that you're called peculiar people. There's a reason you're, you're not called weird, right? There's a reason that we're called aliens or, or foreigners in this land. It's because we don't blend in but we're radiating something that seems to be unnatural to the world, but natural to the Lord. Amen? So all of this transformation really leads to this idea that you and I are in this constant state, according to 2 Corinthians 3.18. We're in this constant state of being transformed more and more and more. We're in this constant state of becoming. I'm becoming. Every day you are becoming. You're either changing to look more like Jesus or you change to look more like the world. But you're constantly in this state of transformation. It's just, which one are you imitating? The world or Jesus? I, years ago, had a chance to go to the hospital and I, I visited a woman there. And she began to share her story with me. And she said, my whole life, I've realized that I have placed my value. You could say she was becoming. Every day she realized, I'm becoming, I'm becoming like fill in the blank. She says, every day I began to place my value or my becoming in how others saw me, particularly men. And she had put her value and her purpose in being that perfect woman and that, that perfect gal that would have her father's approval and, and eventually her boyfriend's approval and one day it would have her husband's approval. And so she had grown to a place of loving Jesus but finding that her identity in becoming a woman was in search for the approval of men that she cared for. And so I asked her, I said, what brought you to the hospital? Why, why are you in the hospital today? And she said, because I tried to end my life. I said, why? And she said, because every day that I was becoming more and more like what I thought the world wanted, every day I was dying more and more inside. She said, the reason, I, I could never measure up to these men's standards, and she felt like I could never measure up ultimately to these world standards. She just kept becoming more and more like something because we're always in this process of transformation. And I said, but yeah, you, you, you said you've been a Christian for a long time. She says, I have been a Christian for a long time. She says, I've known the Lord for a long time, but I still was becoming more and more what I thought the world wanted me to become. You see, because as we said earlier, we can have the identity of saying, I believe in Jesus, but not the faith to say, I'm gonna walk like he walked or live like he lived. And so she said, I know all along I felt that my value and my worth and my purpose and my becoming was so that I could have the approval of my husband, but I never could get that approval. So I could have the approval of my father, but I could never get that approval. That I could have the approval of past relationships, but I could never get those approvals. And so when things crashed, I crashed. She said, but something happened. In this room, this cold hospital room, they were evaluating me, and she says, I began to meet with Jesus. And as I met with Jesus, he reminded me of his love, and in that room, something happened. I began to become again in his image who he created me to be. And she said, I became a woman who found her value in Jesus. I became a woman who found her purpose in Jesus. I became a woman who found her worth 
in Jesus. And she said, and today I stand here and I'm free. Amen. As I listened to her story and she shared that, I was reminded that all of us in this room, we're either seeing and reflecting the glory of the Lord and becoming more and more like him. Or we're seeing and reflecting the world and becoming more and more like it. And this is why I believe that today, the faith that we need today is a faith to simply not just believe in Jesus, but faith to live out our life like Jesus. Amen, church? It reminded me of a quote that I read, um, and it said this, Adam and Eve, and, and, and it was talking about Adam and Eve and how they, they fell in life, and, it's, and this person says, I don't believe Adam and Eve fell because they succumbed to some, like, evil that was lurking in their own hearts. Remember, they, they, they didn't know what sin was at that time. I don't think Adam and Eve uh, fell because of that. I don't think they fell because they just set out in life going, we're going to find that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we're going to eat from its fruit. We don't care what the Lord says, right? So they didn't, they didn't set out with this, I'm gonna, we're going to defy God's instructions, but perhaps they said, Maybe they fell because they fell in love with this poisonous suggestion that they could be someone who they were never created to be. Like, I know the Lord said this, but what if I could be somebody, even though I know I wasn't created to be that, I could be somebody that everybody else around me would like. I could be somebody that maybe everybody else around me would approve of. I could be somebody that would be accepted in. And so this person's going, what if that poisonous thought came in their mind of going, we're just going to be somebody that we were never created to be. And in doing so, they fell out of the true relationship with the only one God who could truly tell them the truth about who they were. You see, this is why we need faith in our life. We need faith simply to just be able to understand that we were created to be in the image of God. So I want to go back to that question, do we have faith to live and look like Jesus? Not just believe in him, do you have faith to live and look like him? Are you reflecting him? In, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 49, Paul says these words, and as we have borne the image of the earthly, right? So all of us have this earthly image in us. He says, as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. And this is the kind of faith that I'm talking about today. Like not an earthly faith where you blend in, but a heavenly faith where you stand out. A heavenly faith where you radiate something, where people are coming up to you and they're going, you're scaring people right now, <laughs> right? Like there's something on you and it's not, it's not natural. And so um, when we talk about then this next part then of faith, if faith is supposed to transform us and grow us into the image of Jesus, then how does faith then give us that kind of purpose to live and look like him? I want to talk about vision real quick. First and foremost, faith transforms our vision in life. I want to define this for a minute. Having a kingdom vision, a vision in Jesus, always takes you further uh, than the ability to see what you see just in front of you. Um, because the definition of vision would be, according to scripture, vision isn't just what you see, but vision is also the way in which you see. I'm going to tell you what that means. Vision isn't just what you see, it's the way in which you see. And so Jesus says these words, that our eyes are the windows of our heart. 
He says, the eyes are the windows of our heart. Then Paul prays this prayer later on, and he says that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. Not our physical eyes, but the eyes of our heart. So what you can see Jesus and Paul doing in this moment is going, we may perceive with our eyes, but we really see with our hearts. And how we see Jesus will determine how we live. So how you see Jesus will determine how you live. So you may go back physically, like I feel like everything's good and I'm just, I don't really see him, so I'm just going to do my life. But you know in your heart from the word of God what he's called you to. You know in your heart how you view Jesus in scripture and how he's birthing something in you deep down inside. You know how he's transformed you. So there's an analogy then, how you see. It's an analogy I think of shared in here a few years back, but I love, I love it. It's about the bricklayers. It says that these three bricklayers were working beside one another on a wall. And somebody came up to the first one and says, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? What, what are you working on? And the bricklayer really sarcastically annoyed, said, what do you think I'm doing? I'm laying bricks. That's the first guy. The next bricklayer, he comes up to and he says, hey, what are you, what are you working on? And he says, can't you see? I'm, I'm building a wall. So the first one, he thinks he's just laying bricks one at a time. The second one realizes something. It's not just bricks. I'm building a wall. And the guy goes up to the third bricklayer. He says, hey, what are, you, what are you working on? What are you building? The third bricklayer says, can't you see? He says, I'm building a great cathedral for the Lord. All three of them had the same perception. They were all seeing that they were laying bricks. That's what they were doing. They're building a wall. They're laying One of them saw it just as I've got one brick at a time. The other one said I've got vision to see that, yeah, I guess we're building a wall. The other one had vision to see what was not yet built, that there's a great cathedral going to stand here for the Lord. Do you have the kind of vision and faith that says God is transforming me into the man or the woman that God has called me? You may not see it right now, but I see it. Do you have that kind of faith? In that moment, vision becomes faith. Vision causes people to see the bigger picture. There's a scripture verse we've shared these last three weeks, Matthew 17. And it's that, that mustard seed faith. And Jesus, uh, uh, the, the disciples try to cast out a, a demon. They try to heal a guy. And they couldn't do it. Jesus comes in and does the work. And they were frustrated. And they said, Jesus, why could, we, why could we not do what you just did? And he talks about their faith. And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a what? You know it. A mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from there, move from here to there, and it would be moved. Nothing would be impossible. And there's something I think that we need to continue to remember about our faith Inside that mustard seed, as small as it is, is at least a 15-foot tree, right? So mustard seeds produce huge, for the size of the seed, produces massive trees. That seed is simply a tiny seed, but what's inside of that seed is massive. What's going to be birthed inside of that little tiny seed, it's crazy. That little tiny seed is going to produce something really, really big. What Jesus was telling them here in this moment was what made their faith little was not the size of their faith. That wasn't the issue, but the lack of understanding what was inside of that faith that's inside of them. And somebody in this room, you're like, I've got the mustard seed. I feel like I've got, I feel like I'm rising in faith. And he's going, that's great. Now, do you know what's going to grow inside of that faith? That's Jesus Christ inside of you. And he can do all things. Amen, church? So, 
Do you believe who's inside of you? We get questions today. Do you have faith to live out your life and look like Jesus? Not just to believe in him, but to live your life out and look like Jesus. Do you have faith to see the bigger picture of what he sees? And do you have faith to see who really lives inside of you? That takes us to our second thing. If we've got then this faith vision to see our life, then that's faith vision that we have. If faith transforms our vision, then that faith better transform our action. Now, now I'm, ho I'm hoping to step some toes here, okay? Our vision here in, in, in this family, and we've said it many times, is we want to see the gospel of Jesus lived out every single day. That's what we want to see. Now, it's not an anomaly to go, oh, wow, I just saw Jesus this week in you. I, I pray that it's, man, I saw Jesus this week every day in you. Amen? Paul says these words in Philippians 4, 9. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me, everything that you've heard from me and saw me doing. So here's Paul. He's saying the same thing. He's like, I want you to put into practice everything that you're seeing in me. I want you to look at how I'm looking at the Lord and reflecting that. I want you to put that in practice. I want you to see the Lord and put that into practice. Now, this is why this is important to us in this family, in this house. Because we're not a bunch of believers in this place who think that a couple thousand years ago somebody came up with some really good theology. That's not what drives us. I love theology. I think you should have good theology and good doctrine. And I think there's terrible theology and terrible doctrine out there. But that's not what drives us is going a couple thousand years ago somebody told us some really good principles to believe about this guy named Jesus. That's not what drives us. What drives us is, a couple thousand years ago, a real God of the universe sent his one and only son, Jesus, God incarnate to the earth, to bring heaven to earth and to put it inside of us. And this is what drives us. This is what spurs us on. Good theology with that, but this is what drives us. And so our vision then is going, this is a reality that heaven invades earth every single day through you. Through you. And do we have faith to walk that out? Do we have faith in our everyday life to put action to that? So, so here's what we see. Then the vision of the church of God or the bride of Christ should be this reality of seeing and reflecting the Lord. And then these things, this is just part of the language of the gospel, should roar out of us. We know that Jesus came to give, everybody say freedom. We know that Jesus came to give, everybody say abundant life. We know that Jesus came to give joy. Everybody say joy. We know that Jesus came to give peace. This is all the word. We know that Jesus says he came to destroy the works of the devil. We know that Jesus came to give wholeness and fullness. We know that Jesus came to do these things. And so when we're walking along, our goal is I'm beholding him. And what's coming out of me or reflecting out of me is a man who's been set free. You're beholding him and what's coming out of you is a woman who's been set free. As we behold him, what's coming out of you is I've got abundant life. What's coming out of you is that I've got joy, everlasting joy, and nobody's taking it from me. So listen, if you're struggling with freedom, if you're struggling with abundant life, if you're struggling with peace or with joy, you're struggling with whatever, feeling whole or full, the goal is not to sit there and set your sights on something that the world is going to entertain and make you feel better. It's simply to go and say, I've set my sight on the Lord, and I'm going to see him, and I'm going to reflect him, and the fullness is coming out of me. It's just a big deal. If there's tension or struggle, it could simply be an eyesight issue. 
what I see here but perceive, what I perceive here but I know that I see here. So Luke 19.10, Jesus says these words, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Now, now we've done some work on this in the past, but that word save in the Greek language is the word sozo. It's that word sozo, which is, it's got a couple different things to it, but spiritual salvation, physical healing, mental deliverance, all encompassing, it's this word around freedom. Everybody say freedom. So really what it encompasses is the whole body. Jesus didn't come to give you a little bit of freedom. He didn't come to set you a little bit free. Well, I'm going to let you get free from this, but not that. He came to break every chain. Did he not? That'd be crazy. And so he comes to set us free. And what we see then is that God desires us to have fullness in him. He doesn't just give us a little bit of salvation. He gives us full salvation. And here's what we see in the reality then of the New Testament, of people's experiencing freedom in him. We see physical healings. We see people set free. We see tormenting things being broken off of people's hearts and minds. And then we see spiritual salvation. This is what we see Peter say about that. Second Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us, somebody say everything. Oh man, isn't it crazy that we don't know if we believe that? His divine power has given us everything. Well, except for, he doesn't say except for. He doesn't put contingencies on that. He doesn't put small print down there. He says his divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of who? Him. As I set my eyes on him and I behold him, I radiate the glory of the Lord, and I shine it out. He's given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. So this sozo life, it's spiritual salvation. Mark 13, 13 says, and you will be hated by all for my namesake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. That's that sozo, that's that freedom, that's that spiritual freedom. Then we've got that physical healing, James 5, 15, and the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise them up. There's this physical healing, this freedom from that. You've got deliverance and Luke 8, 36, the same word saved can be in this word healed. And those who had seen it told them how the demon possessed man had been healed, set free. There is spiritual healing, there is physical healing, there's deliverance in the name of Jesus. Do you have faith to live that out on a daily basis? Let me just ask you for a bold step for just a moment. Usually in history, history is moved by one person, not a group of people. Usually one person is like, I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to take a step of action. I'm going I'm to take a step. And then everybody, you know, everybody's like, hey, we're behind you. You guys ever had somebody say, we're behind you, what they meant? They're like a mile behind you. They're like, you charge the hill, we're with you, and they wait to see if you die, to see if they're going up it. Usually history is changed by one person being bold and stepping out in that boldness. And here's what the Lord says about that person. In 2 Chronicles 16, 9, I love this verse we, we, we shared in here. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. 
God is looking for that man, that woman, that youth, that child that's going to say, I'm going to step out. I'm not going to blend in with the world. I'm not going to imitate what the world system looks like. I'm going to have faith to know that I'm going to see him, reflect him, be transformed by him. And that when people look at you, they'll go, something is different about you. I'm going to take that bold step of faith. When that sozo life comes into you, that freedom life in Christ is found in you, you and I, Scripture says, we have been set free and reconciled back to the Lord. Listen to what he says in Colossians 1.21. Once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has, everybody say reconciled reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Free from accusation. Somebody in the house needs to say, I'm free from accusation. People say, shame, 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 that's your name. No, it's not, not in Jesus, amen. I am free from accusation. Here's what you're really saying. I got this taste when I looked at him. I got this taste when I saw him and he started to reflect his glory on me. I got this taste and my new reality is that my reality is that my faith now, I can live my life like Jesus lived. This is my new reality. And I think this should be the reminder for all of us in this house. I think we should do this one time a month and encourage one another. Your faith, your faith should move mountains. Your faith, yes and amen. Healing, signs, wonders, miracles, yes and amen to that. But your faith should start right here. That because God came in and saved you, redeemed you through Jesus Christ, your faith should start with, I have faith now to be a minister of reconciliation. If he did it to me, he can do it to anybody, amen? If he did it to me, he can do it to anybody. And so let me just say this. Because you've been reconciled, the famous verse in 2, Chronicle, or 2 Corinthians 5.11 is, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. We need to have faith that because Jesus changed our life and we believe him, that now we can live and look like him and we can help persuade others about him. He says, either way, Christ's love controls. He says, if we're out of our minds, if we look like we're silly and weird and out of our minds, or if we look like we're completely sane, doesn't matter. The love of Christ controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we believe that we have all died to this old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for what? Themselves. I don't need to look like everybody else. I don't need to create an image that follows other trends. I don't need to be influenced by what somebody else looks like. I don't need to follow influence. I don't need to do any of those things because I was not created to look like myself. I'm created to look like him. I'm not created to live for myself. I'm created to live for him. They will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. 18 through 20, it's the famous part. And God has given us the task. How are we doing? God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. This is where the rubber meets the road, church. I believe in Jesus all day long. But does my faith put it to action? I can say I have the belief. We know the famous, even the demons believe and shudder with fear. But does my faith produce action in me? 
the rubber meets the road here. If this is not our primary purpose, it's revealing something in our hearts. I was at the Goddard, uh, uh, Goddard had their fall festival this weekend. Man, this just became a realization to me. There was thousands of people in the street at the Goddard Fall Fest walking up and down. And we're blending in. We're doing what everybody else is doing. We're shopping, eating, having a, a merry old time. And, man, just things are good. And I was exhausted. I got home last night, knew, preaching on faith and going through the notes. And, and as I sat there, it was just like this revelation of my heart, like literally came up. And, and I'm throwing stones at myself, not at you. I'm throwing stones at myself. I was sitting there, and the Lord's like, how was God of Fall Fest? You know, you just kind of have that, like, with a verbal, you know, conversation. But you don't kind of feel that. Like, you know something is coming that you don't want to hear. It looks good, Lord. <laughs> I ate. It was good, right? And then all of a sudden, he's like, did you see the thousands of people that you walked by? In one moment, did you stop for a second? Did you pray? Did you say, hey, Heavenly Father, because you're inside of me, and I'm looking at you and reflecting you, like, give me a word. Like, somebody in this thousands of people's broken. Did you ask me for that one person that you would find that one person that's broken? No, I didn't. He's like, do you see, Aaron, there's so many opportunities where you're living for yourself and not for me. There's so many opportunities where you have belief in me, but you don't have action in what you believe. So maybe I am throwing stones at you too, I don't know. Because this realization in this house is this. All the belief in the world without action, we're missing it. So I got thousands of people walking down that street. In one moment, I see you, Jesus. I'm going to reflect you. And the radiating power of Jesus is going to hit that guy right there who's been struggling with alcohol his whole life. And he doesn't even know what's going to happen. He's going to fall down in the middle of Main Street of Goddard and say, I want to be set free because this is what you do. I'm going to see you, Jesus. I'm going to radiate your glory. I'm not going to veil that thing any longer. I'm going to lift that veil. And that glory of the Lord is going to find that woman in the crowd that's hiding behind everybody else that thinks nobody notices her. And the love of God's going to fall on that woman. And she's going to hit her knees because that's what you do. Unless I don't have faith for it. Do you have faith for it? So... This is what we really need faith for today. Today's day, we really need faith for this. This morning, I, wanna, I just want to challenge you in your heart. If this stirs you in any way, shape, or form, if you're just like, ah, man, I'm believing, but I just don't have, I haven't had faith to walk that out. I invite you just to come to the altar, turn in your chair, come to the cross. I'm not worried about time today. Listen. This is what we're here for. I invite you to come and just put your gaze on him. Put your eyes on him. Lord, I want to have faith for that. And I also want to encourage you with this. I want, to, I, want to, I want to plead in this room for those that are lost. If you have faith for someone in this room today, that they would know this reconciling power of Jesus Christ. That they would know that Jesus can find them and reconcile them, transform them. I encourage you, come, pray for them. Use your chair, pray for them, whatever you want to do. But I want you to leave without action today. Some way, shape, or form, activate your heart. Some way, shape, or form, let this stir you. Like, I'm just telling you, like, we can't mince words any longer and be like, I believe in him, and then literally, like, 
not put any of that belief to action. Amen, church? Like something in us says, I saw him, he set me free, he gave me abundant life, he, he, he showed me what it looks like to live in love, he brought peace to my heart, he, he rained joy down upon me. Something inside of those things should be radiating from me because I've got faith for it. I've got faith for it. So we'll close with this song. Just come, stir, stand, sit, kneel, squat, doesn't matter. Let's get before the Lord. Father, thank you for this day today. I faith, God, that this house, I faith that this body of believers, I faith for the men and women in this room, God. I'm not gonna hold back, I'm not gonna shy back. I don't care, God. I don't care what people think. Father, today, activate this body. I pray we put faith to what we confess, faith to what we believe, faith to what we say we put our life into. Faith, Jesus, today. Faith that activates a heart in this room. Says, man, if I'm beholding him and reflecting him, the glory of the Lord is, un like, I'm unveiled. The glory of the Lord is radiating off of me. I'm not conformed to the patterns of this world. I don't look like everybody else. I don't need to be the trendsetter. I just simply need to look like him. So God, increase our faith in this room, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. To find out more about who we are, find us on the Church Center app. See y'all next week.